How much is $20 million? How about 10 million or even 1 million? If you're like me, that's F-U-N money, as in fun money. It's take 10 trips around the world in a private jet money. It's tell your boss he has bad breath money or home theater that's better than the real theater money. Ohio Lottery jackpot games like Mega Millions, Powerball, and Classic Lotto all give you a chance at real fun money. So play an Ohio Lottery jackpot game today. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Welcome back to Redline, a millennial tale of passionate love in the combative workplace set in Boston. Hop on board for the next episode of Pia's Tale here on Redline. The next Redline train to Alewife is now arriving. The next three weeks of autumn pass like film in fast motion, with temperatures dropping to the 50s. I got up at 5 each morning and turned in by 11, trying to juggle my personal life with school responsibilities, the latter under pressure for open house when parents visited the school. I had little time for my portrait ambitions, but I did practice every day, mainly sketching Rod. It was always his body. I nicknamed him Rod the Bod. (laughs) That compelled me. Straight shoulders to pelvis, legs like strong trees and arms always in motion. He could be Atlas holding up the earth or a modern-day Hercules. (laughs) That made me laugh because had any of us ever seen a Michelangelo in person or a Greek or Roman statue of a god? No. And yet, we dreamt and worshipped such visions of the human form. Rod had practically moved in, sleeping over four nights a week, and I was loving how his toiletries collected in the bathroom and a few of his shirts in my closet. And now he was even at the school, paving our cracked tennis courts. He had seen them when I gave him a campus tour our first weekend together. Jeez, Pia, these poor babies need a new surface. I guess the school has other priorities. Tell you what, I'll read you them. It'll be my gift to the school. And after that, we can play on them. I love tennis. And you play too. Not since high school. I said dully, not wanting to go knock on Dale or Lori's door with Rod's idea. Lori would reject it, since all ideas had to come from her. They'd be crazy not to accept my gift, Rod said as if reading my mind. Who could you talk to besides Lori? I guess, JP, I could put the two of you in touch. If you leave me out of this, you're more likely to succeed with Lori. Great, could you text him now? If we want these courts ready by open house, I'll need to start right away. I had carried out his wish, but instead of texting JP, I went to find him in the Wheelock Gym, a heavy-set red-brick relic from the early 1900s. It presided over two patchy playing fields and the decayed tennis courts. The area looked like a wasteland. Inside, the gym was different. I loved the aura and odor of bygone days, the hallways peeling cinderblock walls and the rows of crookedly hanging team photographs. Basketball, rugby, cross-country, tennis... I peered into the healthy young faces of the anonymous men and women and thought how most were now dead, as the photo tradition had stopped with World War II. From youth to death, it all went so fast. I peeked into the old-fashioned basketball court with its gleaming but slightly warped floor. The red center circle paint and white boundary lines waited in silence for my team. JP was in his office. Bonjour, I said. Ah, c'est toi la belle Pia, ça va? Oui, tout bien, merci. <laughs> I have a question for you, JP. Bon, shoot, 
he said in his cheery style. He was the cutest teacher on campus in his early 30s, and all the girls and female teachers loved being around him. He was bouncy and always dressed in sexy sports suits that showed off his compact body. His glossy brown hair waved down to his shoulders, and his warm brown eyes winked and twinkled flirtatiously when he spoke, his French accent adding to his appeal. But his affectionate style was harmless. He never pinched or squeezed or did any hugging or kissing that suggested lechery. He was just an ebullient, uncontainable spirit, which made him so popular. Someone I know wants to repave the courts as a gift to the school. What? Really? Oh, super! But I don't want to get involved. Here's his business card, Rod Tucker. Could you call him? He read the card, then looked at me with a twinkling smile. (laughs) Your boyfriend? Sort of, but please keep that to yourself. Naturellement, you can count on me. Thank you, Pia. You've made my day. You don't know how many times I begged Lori to fix the courts, but no, there's never one sentiment to spare. I tell her, how can we compete if we learn on bad bounces? You'll see what I mean when you coach. The floor's all bumps. And so it happened. Dale and Lori quickly approved the new courts, and Rod plunged into work, taking on the project personally. I liked having him on campus, and we texted throughout the day. Hey, sweetie. Good thing I'm wearing an extra large shirt today, because it hides my desire whenever I think of you. (laughs) Really? But more often, he wrote his familiar line. I love you forever. And if I failed to repeat those same words back to him, he invariably asked for them. I need to hear those words from you, Pia. Please, say them for me. I struggled with this. I considered myself naturally affectionate, but when Rod demanded his own version of affection from me, as if mine wasn't good enough, I felt resistance. I realized we were new and trying to figure out how to mesh our styles because our core values like love and loyalty seemed to be the same. And these were most important. Now that Rod was practically living with me, I saw how he did everything at breakneck speed. He was a restless doer and fixer. I need projects. I thrive on them, he told me, usually after I had joked that he was the hare and I the tortoise. He liked to scarf down dinner so he could settle down on the couch with his computer. At first, he revamped my website. I sat next to him with my computer and emailed him everything he asked for. Images for the portrait gallery my artist statement, endorsements, and how to reach me for commissions. This baby's gonna get you more work than you can possibly handle, he said, like he was really into my career. I'm so thankful. I owe you. You can paint my portrait. I'm going to. I've been making studies for it. I bet I'm a hard nut to crack. Yeah, there's so much of you. He closed his computer and nuzzled me. If the galleries don't snap you right up, We'll buy a gallery. The idea felt like lights turning up to a blaze in my head. Could we really have a gallery? One with my portraits on one wall? Those first few weeks of our coexistence showed me a lot about Rod. Some good, some bad, as was to be expected. First, the good. He fixed things. He installed a new showerhead and repaired the doorbell. He also insisted on replacing the broken garbage disposal, even though I assured him I never used it. I like things to work. Fine, but I hope you'll compost with me. I showed him my three trash bins in the kitchen. Regular trash goes here, mixed recyclables here, and compost in this little bin. Here, you can read this. What is it? The city's list of what you can compost. 
He glanced at the sheet and then tossed it on the counter. It's all new to me, honey, but I'm happy to comply since it's important to you. But isn't it important to you too? Yeah, I want to do my part. One day I came home from school to find my old maroon outback thoroughly washed, with the interior scrubbed so hard it looked like a corpse spruced up for viewing. A new hubcap shone from the tire that had been missing one. Still looks beat up, but I did the best I could. It looks like new. Thank you. I'm sorry you put so much time into it. I wanted to. It was bothering me. It still does, but at least it's an improvement. I was uncomfortable with some of his purchases, mainly because we were only a few weeks into our relationship and not a committed couple yet. First, a new bed arrived. We need a queen, honey. Two six-footers and a double just won't work anymore. I'm not six feet. Well, my feet hang off the end. Look, if you're worried about our future, it's okay. We can store your old bed at my place and get it back any time. Okay. But I wish you'd talk to me first when big purchases are being made so, so that it's a joint decision. Done. Next time, we'll decide together. I love you. But the very next day, UPS delivered a new vacuum cleaner. Rod hurried to explain. When I cleaned your car the other day, I tried to use that old Hoover of yours. Well, forget it. From the big box and wrappings, he pulled a gleaming white Electrolux. You're gonna love this, baby. I have one myself. But when he saw my troubled face, he got up and put his arms around me in a swaying hug. Please, don't worry about the cost, Pia. I got it on sale. And I'm the one who needs it. Think of it that way. That I got it for myself. I'm practically living here, okay? Yeah. The next item that arrived was from Amazon. It was a huge box addressed to me that I left in the downstairs vestibule knowing I hadn't ordered anything. When Rod came over that evening, he had the box in his arms. His face reminded me of an ecstatic kid on Christmas morning. Just one last item I need to be happy here, he said, ripping open the box and removing a chrome machine from its styrofoam protectors. It was a replica of the gigantic Swiss coffee machine at his house. He set right to work in that frenzied style of his, placing it on the kitchen counter and consulting the instruction book for its initialization. I like to wake up to a good cup of coffee, and this is the coffee I like, he said in good spirits. I stood by watching. I want you to have the coffee you like, but this thing takes up half the counter. Where am I supposed to cook? There's plenty of room to cook, sweet pea. I know what. We'll get a small table and put it in the other room. No, I don't want my friends to see it. It must have cost a fortune. Nah, not that much. Like what? Seven hundred? No, not quite, he said evasively, the tips of his ears pinkening. I went to the bathroom with my cell phone and looked it up on Amazon. Two thousand five hundred. How could he blasely spend that much money on a duplicate coffee machine? I wondered if I could ever adapt to his style. He was like a tornado, and I felt off balance in his vortex. Ideas cranked out of him, and he leapt on them instantly, many of them involving money and purchases. He acted on impulse, which he probably considered instinct, but his impulse button wasn't infallible. It had to backfire sometimes. Still, we were new, and ironically, my misgivings about him had to do with the very same complexity that fascinated me. 
Just before open house, Rod organized a fall foliage weekend for us in the White Mountains. It was our first trip together, and we set out right after school on the first Friday of October. As soon as we hit the tall forests and reds and oranges lining the country road, I let go of all my responsibilities and feasted on the stunning scenery, the distant mountains in rusty hues and pristine air fragrant with balsam and, in some places, burning wood. The drive passed quickly as we listened to Rod's new Foo Fighters album, followed by Traffic's classic, John Barleycorn. At our old-fashioned bed and breakfast, we settled into our cozy room with its floral wallpaper, marbled washstand, and country quilt on the creaky iron bed. Right away, we snuggled down, joking that this was our honeymoon. It barely surprised me that Rod interrupted our caresses to reach for his computer in order to play a song for us. It was the Bee Gees, crooning to me what Rod was always feeling. How deep is your love? I really need to know. <laughs> I tried not to laugh and buried my face into his chest so he wouldn't suspect my reaction. One moment of that weekend away stayed with me as a symbol of what I appreciated most in Rod. It was when we stretched out on the cool grass of the village green after taking a long hike. The afternoon was waning, but a few rays of sunshine still touched us with faint warmth. We lay there with our eyes closed, our hands clasped, oblivious to others on the green, their voices murmuring in the background. I felt a rare spiritual fusion with Rod, a state of bliss and sublimity. Only our laughing voices and tingling fingers communicated. We were laughing over nothing. <laughs> the laughter tumbled out of us spontaneously the way it did with children. I was one with Rod in that moment. He was cut loose from his uptight, hard-as-nails, childhood-traumatized self that defined him in the real world. Warmth and humor rippled out of him like a pure stream, his voice melodious, tinged with a rural cadence that blanketed me like a soft fleece. If only such bubbles could last. But they don't. And driving home on Sunday was an abrupt come-down. We were facing our real lives and responsibilities and felt grumpy. Or maybe it was the opposite, and we had been together long enough and needed to get back to our own worlds. Rod was at the wheel. I'm going to have to kick ass to get those courts finished for open house. He turned down Steve Miller's Rockin' Me Baby, which was fine with me as I didn't like Steve Miller that much. In fact, I thought he'd put it on just to bug me. I can't believe how good the surface looks, I said with forced cheer. Yeah, but it's going to look a lot better when the paint's on and, and the white lines. Some idiot screwed up my paint order, and if it's not delivered by tomorrow, I'll have to go get it myself. The school's so lucky you're doing this. Yeah, they're getting a real deal, a 20 grand gift from a local businessman. But the way I see it, I now have quartz at my disposal. For us, yes. <laughs> he glanced at me slyly. You mean I can't organize round robins with my own friends? No, the, the school wouldn't like that. Why not? I'm building the courts. I paid for them. I should be allowed to use them whenever I want. I can see having a tailgate party there. What a blast. I said nothing. He knew I would never participate in a tailgate party. By the way, I met your boss the other day. What? You didn't tell me. That's because she's so easy to forget. I see what you mean about her loaded questions. Those are her specialty. But I know how to handle her type, and obviously it's easier for me. A man. She doesn't like women. She's insecure. All I had to do was sweet-talk her, and she turned into a nice little kitten in the palm of my hand. Except for that booming voice of hers. I stiffened, hearing kitten, but let it go to keep the peace. 
Yeah, I can just imagine Lori warming up to you, Rod the Bod. Were you working without your shirt? (laughs) I should have thought of that. I should have peeled it off slowly while talking to her, saying how hot it got out there on those courts. But I did offer to let her operate the roller. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she declined. I bet she's a bore in bed. What? He shot me a wary look. What? Thinking about her in bed actually crossed your mind? It happened naturally. There was something about her that reminded me of Andrea and how she always pumped on me for hours. Jeez, Rod, don't tell me about it. But it's the truth, and it has nothing to do with you, sweetie. With Andrea, there wasn't any emotional connection, just incessant pumping. I stared out the window, swallowing hard. What did he think about me when we were making love? Do I pump? I blurted out. Honey, you're fine, I swear. I love your body. I love your touch. You're so affectionate with me. You're all I want. I'm yours forever. That is, if you want me. My cue. My answer was supposed to pop right out of me. Of course I want you, darling. Forever! But, but I was still in the muck of how he had described Andrea, and also Lori, as a kitten in the palm of his hand. Ugh. All I could muster was a dull... I love being in bed with you. What about wanting me forever? That pushed my button. Don't you trust how loving I am with you? It makes me uncomfortable to have to reassure you every day, sometimes several times a day, that I'm in, that you're stuck with me. Too late, Rod. You can't get rid of me now. I'm in love with you. I'm yours forever. At least for now. None of us can know the future. Okay, okay, calm down. I'll try not to ask so often. I do trust how you show your love, but sometimes I just need to hear it. Can't you give me that? I feel I do. I feel I've tried especially hard since you ask for it so much, but when it keeps coming up, almost like an ultimatum, I start to feel resistance to saying it. That makes sense. No one likes coercion. I'm going to stop begging. I didn't say you were begging. Yes, you did. You said you see me as a vulgar beggar, and I don't like being portrayed that way. I'm the opposite, and I didn't like your tone. It was hostile. How was it hostile? I'm just trying to communicate my feelings, and they have emotion in them, especially when you change what I actually said. You don't hear your tone right now? You're attacking me and accusing me of being a liar. No, I'm not. I'm just expressing myself. Forget it. I'm sorry if I offended you. That's not the same as saying you're sorry for what you said. Well, I'm not. I don't think I said anything wrong. But I'm sorry if you took it that way and felt offense. Say you're sorry. No, I won't be told what to say. I won't live a lie. And I don't like the image you're creating of me. We sat in cold vibes after that, though our anger slowly subsided. It made me think how anger died down the way car engines cooled off, going tick, tick, tick. By the time we reached home, we were both more focused on our next day pursuits than each other. We sounded businesslike as he helped me get my things inside the apartment, but he wasn't going to linger and that was fine with me. I got a shitload of work to do before tomorrow, he said, tossing his plastic water bottle into the trash on his way to the door. I took it out and dropped it in the recycle bin. He caught the action with his ears and turned on me with a fed-up look. 
He looked just like the TV character Lurch from the Adams family. I can't do anything right, can I? He spat out. He looked so livid, I didn't dare answer. Huh? He said louder, taking a threatening step toward me. Not even the courtesy to answer me? Rod, let's not go there. I recycle plastic, you know that. And if I make one mistake because my mind's on work and how harshly you treat me, you have to rub it in my nose. No, I didn't do that. All I did was move the bottle to the right bin. It's habit. Who gives a shit about one fucking six-inch bottle? Everyone should give a shit because plastic bottles take a thousand years to biodegrade and we're massive consumers of them. Look who's talking. You had one too. I know, and I do buy them sometimes. Well, you're better than me, so thanks for letting me know. I didn't say that, Rod. You did. And this is making a mountain out of a molehill. I put your water bottle in the recycle bin. That's all I did. But it was the meaning behind your action that matters. And it was a direct shot at me. I went silent. I knew he would keep baiting me so he could keep firing away and his behavior stunned me. A torrent of anger lived in him. I didn't know the best way to handle it. Seconds ticked by. I had no idea what he was thinking, but suddenly, unexpectedly, his anger deflated and he stepped over to me, his arms opening, his face drawn and sad. I'm sorry, Pia. It was a long ride home and I'm worried about the courts, the paint order. I don't want to screw it up. I'm a perfectionist. It's okay. We both need some downtime, I said, letting him hug me but not feeling any love for him. Was it over? Was anything left for us? He drew back with the same gentle, forgiving air. Will you say you're sorry too? <laughs> the surprise laugh escaped me. How could he possibly revive what we had just been through in the car? Didn't he remember? Or was he a deliberate provocateur? My flat voice sounded like a broken record. I can say I'm sorry, but I don't feel sorry about anything I did or said. Just say it anyway. Then all is forgiven. He looked so war-weary that my lips automatically spoke on their own. I'm sorry. I was so glad to close the door after him. I needed to be alone, in my own space, free from relationship pain. I was consumed by thoughts, like the way he had twisted my words. Why were relationships so volatile? We longed for love in our life, but once we had it, we were always wanting to escape its hell. Ugh. I knew my angst would be gone in the morning, and I'd be reaching out to Rod again, looking forward to our texts and our meetings. He was still my friend, my most intimate friend, and my lover. I wanted to believe that I could help him change. Thank you for listening to episode six of Redline. Redline is written by G.D. Spilsbury and narrated by Anna Gravelle, directed and produced by Fred Greenhalge, with assistant producer Grace Waldron. Redline is dedicated to Jim Cantor and Brooke Lambert. If you've enjoyed this Redline story, please tell your friends about us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving reviews allows us to get more listeners, like yourself, so we can keep bringing you good stories. Learn more about Redline at redlinepodcast.com. That's redlinepodcast.com.
This might look like a normal job, but it's not. When hackers infiltrate networks and steal or destroy proprietary data, we're all at risk. Earn a master's degree in cybersecurity online at Grand Canyon University and help protect your company from cyber threats by performing vulnerability assessments and threat hunting to catch hackers. What do you think protecting your company looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.